Hi, welcome. This is Dr. John Martini. This is one of the most amazing and inspiring shows that you can listen into. If you want to be on the edge of your seats, if you want to open up your heart, if you want to expand your mind, and you want to meet incredible people, stay tuned because you're just about to experience a transformative radio show that will change your life. And you're listening to the Dr. Pat Show is coming up right next. Welcome to the Dr. Pat Show. Talk radio to thrive by. Powerful, inspiring, and coming to you live, bringing you stories of people like you and me, busting through and living life full out. Get ready to dare to wonder what your life would be like if you knew you could not fail. Hey, everybody. Welcome. Welcome. You know, you've heard us do a number of shows in the past, I would say, year. Uh, about the what we're calling the opioid crisis. Now you've recently just rip it right from the headlines and you're hearing about the very large sum Johnson & Johnson is paying. But that's not the whole conversation. Uh, Dr. Jonas Stolberg is joining me here today, you know, to talk about what this means to look at the opioid crisis, but to look at uh, what happens with unused prescription pain medication, how we can best manage this, how we can best monitor this, and how we can best address the question, why do some that take the drug get addicted and why do others don't? But this is a short interview, so we're not going to get to all of that. Uh, Dr. Stolberg, thank you for joining me here today. Look, this, you have taken on this conversation. You all at Northwestern, most of what you do, you're really looking at uh, the, 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 let me just call it the cracks and the crevices around what we can do to really measure, monitor, and address this, aren't you? Absolutely. Look, you're a general surgeon. You're somebody that is leading the field in this. What is, if I were to ask you this one question, at the top of your list, what is your number one concern, given now the, the let's just call it the amount of, of headlines that this is making? Do you still have a number one concern? Yeah, I would say my number one concern is that everyone who's listening today and everyone who's thinking about what they can do for the opioid crisis, the number one thing they can do is find any opioid prescriptions that are available with your friends, family, and your own medicine cabinet and get rid of them. Get rid of them, get them out of circulation, get them out of our communities because we know that simply having those prescriptions available is the number one source of non-medical use and abuse in our country. Thank you. Let's be clear. Non-medical use and abuse. Um, here's the thing that I don't think people quite understand, and let's talk about it. The idea that these things are laying around almost as if, you know, I, I'm not feeling the pain today, doctor, but I might be feeling the pain in a month, and you're stockpiled up. We just don't understand what the temptation is for that, do we? You are absolutely correct. The issue that we're talking about is that the opioid pills themselves are known to have addictive properties. They're also known to have risks and benefits in single doses and in each use. And physicians, when you're under a direct care of a physician and you're taking them appropriately, they can be very beneficial. Mm -hmm. But individuals assume that they are like other pain medication, like the things that you can get over the counter, and that you can just 
take them or have them available the next time you have shoulder pain or what if my back hurts again in the future. And what you don't recognize is that physicians are often making very calculated decisions about what dose to give you, how many pills to give you for that specific indication. And so when you get out of that window, really it's unsafe to be dosing these medications yourself or to have them around in case they are just used or abused by others. All right. Let's go down the list of did you know, because I was looking at, you know, the um, information that you all put together. And I think that if nothing else, we have to continue to say the same thing over and over and over again, don't you think? (laughs) Yes, I think repetition actually does help us get these messages to sink in. All right. Let's start with the number one. And I think this is uh, uh, under I think this is an understated number, but this is just my opinion. A hundred Americans die after overdosing on on opioids each day, each day. I want to say that each day. I don't think people even know that. I'd I'd agree with you. People hear the headlines and it's become um, almost a blur of, yes, we know this is a problem. But to understand the magnitude, when this started to hit the headlines four years ago, Mm -hmm. that number was 47. Mm -hmm. And we're at 110 per day. And, you know, soon we'll get the uh, data for 2018. Those are 2017 numbers. So the 2018 numbers, we're hoping they're lower. Oh, God, we can only hope that we're starting to make headway. But as of right now, the latest number we have are over 100 people a day, and it's just a staggering number. Yeah, well, let's hold hands with that because I, I am a, I'm an eternal, I'll tell you, I'm an eternal optimist. I, you know, believe me, I've been doing a positive talk radio show for 15 years. I own a positive talk radio network, and I'm, I, I got to tell you, um, this is a nail biter for me to, to really hold that thought, and I'm hoping. But here's the key. Let's get at this, right? Prescription drugs for a non-medical purpose. I say that and I just don't even make sense. Let me say it again. Prescription drugs for a non-medical, 16.7 million prescription drugs for, what the heck is a non-medical purpose, doctor? I don't, what is that? Anything other than the prescribed indication. If you come in to the emergency room and you hurt yourself and they give you five pills for that and you use one of them and then you decide to use those four pills later or your friend wants to use them because they get a little bit of a high or they get a buzz or it makes them feel good or it takes away some of their anxiety, these medications act globally. They act in our central nervous system as well as acting locally. And because of that, they have alternative um, sensations mm-hmm. and benefits, and then people use them for those alternatives rather than for the indicated use. Can I ask you a question? And I know this is not part of the questions. Um, so there's a number that 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 you all are talking about, and it says I think it's like 80% heroin users abuse prescription drugs prior to to trying heroin. But why aren't we calling opioids heroin? Am I being too general? I- I'm sorry, I don't think I understood exactly the question. That figure actually comes from the CDC. That isn't yeah. directly from our um, numbers. The, the, the Centers for Disease Control will interview individuals who are being treated for heroin use, abuse, and overdose, and mm-hmm. they will ask them many questions. One of the questions they'll ask is, mm-hmm. did you use prescription drugs for non-medical purposes? Did you abuse prescription drugs prior to using heroin? And 80% of them will say yes. 
And the reason that's such an important figure and the reason it's yeah. stated in that way is because mm-hmm. people often think of the opioid crisis as a heroin crisis, or now it's all about synthetic fentanyl. But they, like, you know, they think of it as a street drug crisis. But 40% of the deaths were directly linked to prescription drug abuse in 2016. And, any, and many of the deaths that are occurring, even from heroin use or synthetic fentanyl or other street drugs, those individuals actually started, got their start in prescription drug abuse. And so by pinching off and focusing on prescription drug abuse, focusing on decreasing the number of pills that are available in our society, we can have an upstream effect that hopefully will have a downstream effect on the uh, use and abuse, not only of prescription drugs, but of heroin and other street drugs. Well, let's talk about what Northwestern is doing, because I think this is really the key. You all have a drug disposal program, and I think this is the this is so important. Many people don't even think about, okay, I don't know where to get. Why was this important in Northwestern? And let's go through some of the actions you all are taking and the results you're getting, if you don't mind. No, I don't mind at all. I think since late 2016, early 2017, we have tried to make the concept of drug disposal part of the fabric and culture of prescribing around a surgical episode. As a general surgeon, we embedded a drug disposal kiosk into our clinic. It physically sits in our clinic. So when you come in for your preoperative consultation, just to see whether or not you need surgery, it is already part of the conversation that pain control, pain expectation setting, um, and getting rid of excess opioids is an important part of the fabric of what we do. Well, you you are, and I, I didn't say this, you're the director of opioid reduction efforts, right? Uh, you also run a video-based learning uh, collaborative, right, for uh, in Illinois. I mean, you're really touching upon all of the senses to try to really put the fire out about this. Uh, I want to take a minute. One one thing that's important, how can people get information? I'm sure you have a website we can give folks. Absolutely. If you'd like to learn more about what we're doing, how to do any of these practices yourself, or how to simply just get rid of your medications, you can go to our website. It's NM for Northwestern Medicine, nm.org forward slash radio. And we have all the information we're talking about today and much, much more on that website. Um, I know we've got a few more minutes left. Uh, this is what you all at Northwestern are doing. How open are other hospitals, organizations, how open are they in looking at your program to say, wow, these people have got something going on. Maybe we should do what they're doing incredibly open. The healthcare community is desperate for best practices so that they can improve what they're doing adequately and appropriately take care of their patients, but also have a positive impact on what we're calling the opioid crisis, this truly terrible epidemic that we're in the midst of. And so many, many hospitals have already signed on. They're using many of the practices that we're um, talking about today, and they're getting that information from us, from colleagues, and we're all trying to learn together because really care practices have changed pretty dramatically in the last five years, and we are spreading those practices through toolkits and other support avenues so that our colleagues, other healthcare institutions can learn from what we're doing and that we can learn from them. 
And, you know, also you're involved in looking at the surgical procedures and surgical providers, right? And what happens when somebody goes to surgery? I think I was reading an information that 10% of all opioid prescriptions uh, are in this arena about surgical providers, right? But there's, there's a question mark around that. And I think you all address it. You know, you go through surgery, you get the pain medication. And at some point, somebody has to say, wait a minute, y'all shouldn't be having this much pain, right? Yeah, you're absolutely right. I think that I did what I think most of us try and do every day. And that is, you know, look at the world around you and say, there's a problem going on, but how does it actually affect what I do? And how is what I do affecting that problem? And in surgery, we had to we had to look, we had to ask the question, well, as surgeons, how does that at all lead to this downstream effect of people being addicted to heroin, let's say, yeah. or an overdose on it? And I think you did a wonderful job of explaining that. You know, millions of individuals undergo surgery every year in the United States. And if we aren't careful with the way we prescribe, if we aren't following patients to understand how much do they use, how much do they not use, uh, making sure that patients understand the importance of using them only as prescribed and getting rid of the medications when they're no longer being used for their express uh, need and around the surgical encounter, then, you know, all of these downstream consequences may come from that simply by the volume of care, uh, mm-hmm. the number of procedures that are being performed in the United States, um, because often we don't see it. As a general surgeon, I don't necessarily see that person two years, three years right. later when they've now continued to take those opioids. Right. And so we have to ask the questions. We have to be upfront, And then we have to recognize, well, this person is struggling. And this is early on. This is only two, three months after surgery. Let's get them connected. Let's get people around that person to help them. Yeah. I want to thank you. I know you've got to run. This is a big topic. I know you've got a lot of interviews and I want to say I want to thank you for this. Um, I will tell you this for my listeners. I've done more shows on this than you can imagine. One of the biggest questions and one of the shows they want us to do is what happens when somebody has a chronic illness, really like chronically, I'm not going to get better and my joints are coming apart. That's not what we're talking about. And that's a different conversation. Yes. All right. It's a different conversation. Different conversation. Focused on acute care. Exactly. Thank you for saying somebody said the acute word. Thank you very much, doctor. (laughs) Please give out the website and thank you. I know you got to run off. Absolutely. Our website, one more time, is nm, Northwestern Medicine, nm.org forward slash radio. And let me tell you, everybody, get them out of your medicine cabinets, your dresser drawers. Look at what these folks are doing. Talk to your doctors. Talk to your hospitals. Get this disposable program now. Thank you, doctor. We'll be right back. To see your life from an angel's perspective, book a personal consultation with Claire Candy Hoff. Angelic walk-in angel aerial at Angel Healing House. Candy provides intuitive counseling, Reiki, and angel readings in person in Los Angeles or nationally and internationally via phone or Skype. She will channel the practical tools you need to transform your life. Call now, 831-277-3716 or visit angelhealinghouse.com. Hey everybody, welcome. This is Dr. Pat. Welcome to our good news segment. And let me tell you something. This is good news. You all have heard myself, Dr. Darvish, Dr. Rani talk about CBD for a long time. But now we are able to talk about it in a way 
where when you take out your wallet and you purchase it, you know what you're getting, you know the quality of it, you know what's happening with it, and you know who you can count on. And that's why today I am bringing you someone that understands not just the power of CBD oil, but understands what quality and trust around this product is. And that's Whitney James. She is president of Hemp Life. She, this is really Hemp Life, right? And by the way, I'm just going to say it, hemp. Say that word with me, everybody, hemp. Because the reason I want to talk about this is we're talking about CBD. So if you don't know anything about it or whatever you know, Today's show is to give you current, up-to-date, rocking it information. Whitney, thank you for joining me today. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited. Okay, look. So here is the, the thing I would like to just start with with you. There is a very important aspect of this, and that is the quality. And so I want to talk about what CBD oil is, but I also want to talk about what you all have done differently because the number one issue for the past 15 years has been who we can trust. And you all are folks we can trust. Yes, that's something that we really pride ourselves on and something that we really worked hard <clears throat> to um, build when we first started talking about getting into the CBD industry, just because we want everyone who is kind of going to be a part of our tribe to trust what we have to offer and what our products bring to the table. So when we first started building this brand, that was our number one value when it came to building this foundation was trust in who we are and then how we create our products. So you know what you're getting is pure and effective and safe. You know, and the other thing is also you all do 100% are tested for purity and effectiveness of the product. And I think that is right at the top. But let me ask you this, Whitney. You know, this is something that you went on a journey to start. What was it in your life? What were you looking at as a former soccer player? What were you looking at to say, this is important to me? Usually there's a story behind the story behind the story. For me, it was pain in my body. What was it for you? Um, I think similarly, it was pain as well. Um, <laughs> I just felt like being a professional athlete, like that's day in and day out, sometimes a couple times a day of just putting your body through a lot of trauma. And I had a ton of injuries. I've had surgery after surgery, and it just got to a point where I wasn't able to manage it anymore. Yeah. Um, and I got to a point where I had to retire early and I wish I did know about CBD prior to um, making that decision because I, I'm 26 now and I should definitely be able to be, have a more durable body to withstand some of the activities I was doing and I was just exhausted. So um, I would say a little bit after then is when the CBD industry started to pop up a little bit more and I started to educate myself and take the products and I just noticed such a tremendous relief in all areas of my body, but also from a mental standpoint, like I was very overwhelmed just with having to retire early and figure out what's next. And this really just gave me the ability to take a big deep breath and relax a little bit more. And it just kind of transitioned into me preaching about it. And that led to, um, kind of how our family started the company was my grandma was really sick with mm -hmm. cancer and mm -hmm. 
she just had a little bit of time left, but we wanted something that was going to give her that relief just to help her um, live that more vibrant life at the end of her days. And so we were in our living room and we were all just talking about it and we wanted to make sure we were getting the best of the best for her and then for the future. And that's kind of how our company started was we did it based off my grandmother and her experience and it kind of just launched from there. Yeah. You know, Whitney, thank you for sharing that. I know, I knew there was that kind of story behind it because I know what it was like for myself to go on this journey to find relief. But fast forward to where we are today and, you know, an industry where people really struggle to find a product that they can trust. And that's why I was excited to talk with you because we're looking at CBD and CBD oil. Let's talk to folks not of just about what it is, but why it's so powerful for those folks that may not know. And believe me, when I first went on this journey, you didn't get any more skeptical than I was, right? <laughs> about it. Right, right. <laughs> Let's talk about it and why it works, please. Yeah, so um, I think why it's getting so big nowadays is because it's that natural form of relief compared to your traditional uses and your traditional options out there. Um, it's just gained a lot of traction in the health and wellness um, industry. And I think the reason why people are so attracted to it also is because what CBD is, is it interacts with that endocannabinoid system. So yeah. um, that's in our brain and it functions um, our pain, our sleep, our appetite, um, overall mood. And because it's such, it offers like, all those functions is such a versatile product or supplement. Um, and it impacts those receptors and can help with the inflammation and the soreness or um, any type of mood symptoms you're experiencing, whether it's you're feeling down or you're feeling overwhelmed, it kind of assists in those side effects. Um, and so I think that's also another thing that makes it so popular is like CBD can assist in a need in such a variety of areas. So like if you do have something going on with the sleep or you do need pain management, you're not having to go and get multiple different supplements off the shelf for that specific need. You're able to use this one CBD product and it's most likely going to help and release in some way. Yeah. So I think that's what's really powerful about it is it's a holistic option and it's kind of, it's just right there. You're not having to go get multiple different things for it. Yeah. And it's so hard to explain to people, I find, uh, you know, for myself, to explain the power of it. Um, let's, for, before we forget, how can people, first of all, give us the website, because I want folks to make sure they're looking at what I'm looking at. Also, there's a way to join the tribe. Uh, but also, uh, I know that you all have something special for our listeners. So before we kind of run out of time in these short interviews, let's give folks some information now. Awesome. Yeah. So our website is www.hemplife.net. The way you spell it is H-E-M-P. L-Y-F-E. Um, so you have that to access our website. And then if you're interested in, we have an affiliate program which allows individuals to earn commissions off selling our products. So if you're really passionate about our products and you want to share it with a friend, you can join our tribe 
by accessing your own affiliate link and sharing that link. And you'll be able to earn 15% commissions off that first tier for people who go to your personal website. And then if they have someone sign up through their website, if they want to become an affiliate um, and they have people buy through that link, then you'll earn 10%. So it's a two-tier affiliate program. And it's really awesome because it just connects everyone within Hemp Life to allow everyone to live that vibrant life. And um, on top of that, we're also offering any of the listeners a discount code. It's called Radio 20, Radio 20. So you just enter that in at checkout after you've um, picked the product of your choice. And it's good for any one-time purchase along with free shipping. So it's a really great discount to use for the moment. And um, we also recommend going through that, checking out that affiliate program on our site as well. And I just want to say to everybody, there's lots of information uh, on here, uh, not just about the products, but there's information about the tribe as well. Let's talk about this really for people that, look, I have a sense of CBD. Where do I start? That's the number one question I get every time I talk to somebody like my friends or we have a show and we talk about it on the air. Their first question is, I don't even know where to start. Can you help us out with that? Yeah, for sure. So first place to start would be going to our website. Um, I always recommend people to go and check out that about link. So you'll, we have a blog and we have press release information. Honestly, our blog has such awesome info about CBD, what it is, how to take it, how it's different from marijuana, um, common myths associated. And I think that just gives a lot of people comfort and knowing what they're taking and how to take it. Um, and then I also just tell them to go to our product line, read the about, read the supplement information, just read through like what each product offers and then associate it with whatever need you have. So in regards to sleep, we have our dream line. If you're looking for um, management with muscles and joints, we have our restore line or we have your overall blissfulness, overall wellness, and that's our bliss line. So people are able to read and look into what each product offers and then associate it with um, what they're looking for. And then we always recommend <clears throat> our favorite go-to is our inhalers. Yeah. Um, it just sets us apart from most companies, most um, CBD products out there. And so we always say that's our favorite. But you have your tinctures, you have your soft gels, you have your blends and your gummies. So whatever people enjoy and prefer to take, like some people would rather take a soft gel over an oil. Um, people are more comfortable with that. Or sometimes people don't want to swallow a soft gel. And so they, they, like the, um, they like our dried fruit. So it's really just preference and based off um, a variety of needs. Yeah, and I, I, I know we're going to be running, uh, this interview is so short, but I want to take a minute and talk about the inhaler because one of the things I looked at was I looked at the CBD uh, full spectrum inhaler, the one for ginger and muscle. So I looked at this. Really, this does set you apart. And also, the inhaler provides a certain form of or a certain concentration of effectiveness, doesn't it? Yes, it does. So that higher bioavailability rate is really what sets us apart and sets that inhaler apart um, from a lot of different products because it gets to your system faster, which means you're able to experience the effects 
um, that CBD can offer quicker. Yeah. And what is the special offer for people that are listening to radio? Because I, I just want to make sure folks really hear it and get it. Yes, you definitely want to hop on this. Um, we are offering Radio 20. That's the code. That's 20% off your first time purchase of any of the products on our site, along with free shipping. So Radio 20, um, and then you get 20% off. You just enter that at your checkout. Okay, last question. I know you got to run. What's your personal message, Whitney? Thank you so much for doing what you do. Personal message and website again. Yes, personal message is just live a vibrant life. Um, We just really preach that overall wellness from a holistic standpoint. Just find it to enhance your life in any way possible. And we hope that we can be a part of that. Um, Our website is www.hemplife.net. And for those of you out there, if you're wondering uh, why it is that I'm able to compete at the professional level in a sport called table tennis, the fastest racket sport on the planet, you now have just heard why. Whitney, thank you so much. Thank you for everything. Thank you. All right. And, you know, I play with a little white ball. I know you have a larger white ball, but we should do like a CBD challenge. What do you think? We totally should. Come on. I'm always down for a challenge. I, I'm always down for it. Uh, you play my sport. I'll play yours. <laughs> All, right, let's do it. Let's do it. <laughs> All right, Ted, it's up to you to make it happen. Everybody, let's take a short break. We'll be right back. If you struggle with fear and anxiety, you know how powerless and stuck these emotions can make you feel. You've tried everything, but nothing helped you overcome these blocks. Dr. Friedman Schaub, award-winning author of The Fear and Anxiety Solution, created a special program which helped thousands of his clients to become healthy, happy, and confident again. Learn how to eliminate negative self-talk, let go of your emotional baggage, and replace limiting beliefs. With Dr. Friedman's accelerated program, you can break through your challenges. Visit thefearandanxietysolution.com. Hey, everybody. Welcome to our good news segment. But this is like especially good for a couple of reasons. One, we're going to bust some super crust-busting myths around what it means to talk about social media, what it means to have multi-generational connections that are talking about social media, but more importantly, what is it about us that refuses to look at the powerful goodness that we could create from our new technology? Yet, at the same time, let's not fail to recognize what the downside might be. But here's the thing. The ball is in our court. Today joining me, Larry, Carlin. They are both going to share some story. What kind of story? Grand stories. This is a campaign to remind all of us about the human connections that technology enables us. And you know why I'm saying that, everybody? Because here we are, our 15th year, our 10 years with an all-positive talk radio network, and in about two weeks, we are announcing our brand new app that allows for engagement and positive talk. Guess what? Larry, Carlin, what do you two have to say about technology? <laughs> Welcome. Well, I feel like technology obviously has made a huge difference in the way we communicate. Yeah. Um, people can live all over the country and or the world for that matter, and, you know, stay in touch. And, um, you know, I, for one, I'm in Southern California. I'm from the Midwest originally, and I, I 
feel very close with my family because of technology. So I'm really grateful for that. Um, I do think that it is constantly changing, and obviously it can be daunting for those individuals who aren't familiar with it to begin with, um, let alone keep up with all the changes. So, um, you know, it's complex. It is complex. But guess what? I think as human beings, we can handle it. I think we can handle this. Uh, And here's why. Larry, look, back in the day, what we used to do is take out a pen and a piece of paper, and we used to write a note, put it in an envelope, pop a stamp on it, and within some period of time, it would get to the people we hope it gets to. I know you did that, right? You did that with your, your late wife, Pat. I know you did that. But that was the, my first first time to do that. I was actually forced in boot camp to write to my parents because <laughs> I never liked writing. So this whole new technology is more enjoyable and easier and simpler, and I just can't get enough of it. <laughs> I, I know. We don't even have to write now, Larry. It's like I, I just sent a message by hitting the microphone button and sending something out to one of my folks. But yeah. The thing that we're battling against, and, and Larry, this is for you, and then and, and then Carlin, this is for you. The thing that I've discovered is we battle against a story that was created that technology causes distance in generations oh. of family. Yeah. Larry, you got to oh. talk to that for me. Yeah. I don't see any downside to this at all. Yeah. It, to me, it's absolutely positive, and people who don't take a positive outlook to it or really miss it out. And uh, so I've been challenged by uh, Carlin because I had become <laughs> very reclusive. And uh, when she came to the Calvet and encouraged me to get involved in this, uh, it has le- literally revolutionized my life. And I'm so grateful for it. I like, I, I can't even begin to, to talk with you about that, Carlin, but I want to talk with you about something as well. You are a story producer talent development expert and here's the thing the the how should I say it the feedback or the naysayers that have talked to us we are a positive talk radio network we have three channels active tend to be enacted by new technology and I'll say it again new innovative technology in January we've been called the Disney of podcasting and yet People look at us and say, nobody is interested in a story. Hello, help us out with this. That is such a bunch of bunk. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I, you know, I'm 33 years old. I've been doing this for, for 10 years now. And what I've learned is that everything is stories. Um, and. And if you think about it, if you go back to like the simplest way to tell a story, like around a campfire, um, you know, it's, it's actually really similar to that. Um, you know, you, technology can be like that campfire, like that, that social media platform is sort of like that meeting place, that like public forum where you can go and, and tell your story. Um, and the funny thing is, um, you know, everyone has their own nuances and details, um, in their life story or whatever it is, but, um, there's always something to connect with. There's always like a human element to this everyone's story. So uh, anyway, yeah, I, I think stories are everywhere. And yeah. and yeah, and it's it's been very clear to me in this career as well. 
Well, let's talk about grand stories. And the reason I want to talk about this is because I now have, you know, we now have data to give to people that bring this up. Uh, Did you know that in my industry, the fastest growing segment, fastest growing digital segment are people uh, in, let's just call them uh, older generations. We have a name for them, but we don't even use it anymore. But let's say they are different generation. (laughs) <laughs> and they are the fastest growing segment on Saturdays and Sundays. Hence, that's why we're launching an ageless channel on the weekend. But we have to talk about this because people don't believe us. Larry, they don't believe us. Tell us about Grant Stories and this campaign. I just can't say enough about it. And uh, I, I'm so busy involving myself <laughs> with others and letting them know about it. I just don't shut up. That's why I've lost my voice. <laughs> uh, Car- Carlin, you better step in. I know what the lost voice is about because I do about 15 hours of radio a week. And by the time Friday comes, I need my inhaler or something. But, but yeah. ca- Carlin, can you talk about this? Because, you know, when I produce data, people look at me like I've lost my mind, but I have not. Tell us why and give us information on how people can find out more. Well, okay. I, I mean... These folks haven't lived 65-plus years, um, you know, by being slow or not learning as and evolving. So, um, you know, and, and they certainly haven't been voiceless. So, you know, this is technology and social media is a way for people of any age to get in touch with each other and connect. Um, and like we said before, it's a really complex issue, but um, the te- technology is designed to be instinctual. So I think for this, it's really all about just learning more and, and seeking out information and, and thinking about um, your story and thinking about what story you want to share. And, and, and in the case with Larry, he was able to record the story of meeting his wife in the Navy um, and their courtship um, on video, selfie style. He took his first selfie, and, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, that was pretty cool. Um, and, you know, share that stuff uh, with his granddaughter and the rest mm-hmm. of his family, and they will have that stuff forever. And this is something that I wish I had the ability to do when I was younger. Um, I was very close with my grandmother, and we couldn't record her stories. Um, and now you can do that and, and share it. And I mean, that's just one of the ways you can, you can use the technology to connect. Um, but, um, yeah, I don't even remember your original question. Well, I, well, I, I think could go on you, forever. No, you need to go on, but let's give out uh, information about how people can find out more because what you all are talking about, it's more than just a memory. It's memorable. Uh, that's right. You see, there's a difference in a lot of people's minds. And, you know, part of this is sharing a story. I mean, I'm like so many people. I had no idea I had relatives in South America that my grandfather was actually born in Brazil. Seriously. Uh, no uh, idea. Uh, Technology really let that happen. But where can people find out more? Because I know people want to capture the essence of their lives and share their stories. It's so part of who we are as human beings. Yeah, that's right. Absolutely. That's right. Well, there are some tips and advice on um, a website, and you can also see the little documentaries we made 
Um, Larry's in particular um, at the same website, cox.com slash grand stories. Um, and I think that watching how Larry learned how to use the technology will be, it's really inspiring. I mean, the story alone, um, the stories that he shares alone are amazing, but the story of the story is even cooler to watch um, because it's all real. Mm-hmm. It is all real. Um, it, it, you know, what's the future? I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to jump out here because I know we've got a little bit of time left. Um, but I got to ask this question. This is an industry where people have said to us, there is no future. I am not a believer of that. And Carlin, That's you're right. not either because what you're doing and what Cox is creating is not about that. How would you look at the future for this and what would be your message, you know, for grandparents and grandkids on this? Well, I mean, that's a great question. I think that, um, you know, just because someone's retired or they're out of school doesn't necessarily mean you want to stop learning. Um, and, you know, someday, hopefully, I'll be a, a senior as well and there will be many generations beneath me and I will have to to keep learning throughout my life. I think that the key is to just keep going. Um, I don't know what the future holds. Um, None of us do. But um, if we can keep connecting, um, even as it all changes around us and sharing our stories, um, we'll find commonalities and we'll be able to come together and, I mean, just grow as people. I mean, that's that's the point of life, right? Right. It is the point of life. Larry, I know your voice is going a little bit here, but mm-hmm. I want to ask you, what is your personal message for people listening today? I guess to come alive mm-hmm. in, individually and realize that we have a purpose in life and that just because we become elderly and we become limited in whatever areas, we still have a purpose and we need to reach out and touch one another and encourage one another. And that these tools of social media has given us that ability to do that. And there's nothing boring about it. There's nothing uh, daunting about it. It's, it's a, an opportunity for us to reach out and touch the lives of those that have given up hope. Mm. Carlin, your personal message, and please give out the website again. Yes. Um website is cox.com slash grand stories. Um, and I guess my biggest takeaway and what I want to share with people is, is really just doing it. Um, Mm. the best way to start, uh, connecting if you're feeling isolated, um, or helpless or bored or whatever it is, you know, just try it out. And it might be asking, your grandchild for help learning how to use Uh Facebook. Um, It can be really fun. We had so much fun. (laughs) Um, So I I think that it's just important to try. Um, And if you have someone there guiding you, even better, because you can make sure you're doing it in a safe way, um, the right way for you. Um, So, yeah, just just try and don't shun it um, from the outset. That's right. Mm. Well, thank you uh, both. One last time, please give me your website again for people. Right. Um, Cox.com slash grand story. 
Wow. Thank you both. And I want to encourage everybody that has listened to is think about yourselves. Think about the family members in your life. Think about your grandparents and start to make this connection. This is for all of us. This is for everyone to connect. Right, Larry? That's right. Right. nailed it. That's it. Thank you, everybody. Let's take a short break. We'll be right back. Hey, everybody. Welcome. It's so great to have all of you here. Look, this is not just a good news segment. This is an important segment. John Harrison, president and owner of Harrison Capital Management, is joining us here today. Because, look, in 15 years since I've been doing the Dr. Pat show, 10 years in launching my own network, here is the one thing that comes up over and over and over again, it doesn't matter how many ways I get at it, try to talk about it, is we are just not wanting to have the money conversation. And I'll tell you, it's never been more important than it is today. That's why I've got John here. Because are you, okay, I'm not going to call you out, but are you one of the 75% of Americans who refuse to seek out financial advice? Now, I know why. But we're not going to get into that today. Today, we're going to tell you why. It is important to do it. I'm going to take it from the psychological perspective. John's going to take it from the practical. Your life is not over. You can still be financially robust. John, great to have you. Thanks, Dr. Pat. I appreciate it. Uh, Let's get at this because... um, in 15 years, if there was a topic I've done more shows about, it, it's about money. It's about finances. And I want to just ask you for what is it from your perspective? What are you seeing when it comes to people wanting to understand about saving money or even approaching it? From my perspective, Dr. Pat, it's that people just don't know who to go to or where to look. It's almost like future shock. There's way too much information out there. They get all kinds of things from Facebook posts, from the internet, from TV, and they just don't know who to go and find to help them navigate the tough financial seas out there. I want to ask you this question. I know we're doing this live. I know you're right in the middle of a number of different things, but I want to ask you this. There was a survey that was done, and I'd like to get into the weeds a little bit about the survey. If you could share a little bit of information about what you have found. Because I think this is important about, you know, who is interested in looking at their finances. And, and I think the other question, John, is that, you know, do we have an older generation of people that were seriously burned, you know, from 2006 to 8 to 10, whatever that was? Well, I would say, Dr. Pat, that, you know, the markets go up and down. And what I always tell my clients is, you know, go back to the day you were born. Like I was born January 3rd in 1966. Take a look at where the S&P was on that date. And I think when I was born, it was around 100. And then think about all those things in the last 53 years in my particular case that have happened. Rapid inflation, gas crisis, numerous wars, Vietnam, um, political instability at various points. And then take a look at where's the S&P 500 today. And just, it's amazing if you would just make sure that your money is invested according to your goals and objectives, where you'll end up. I mean, the S&P is at right around 3,000 right now. So you take a look at all those different things that have happened. And what I'd like to tell clients is loss is temporary, gain is permanent. 
And that's why you need an advisor to help you navigate because, you know, people get emotional about things. And as you know, being a psychologist, the fear of losing is a lot more painful than winning. Yeah. And, you know, here's something that I want to share with you, and this is going to kick off the conversation. There's also a middle ground that I learned. You know, my mom used to say to us kids, like, girls, look, here's the thing. No matter what you do, you got to ask yourself the question, are you playing to win or are you playing not to lose? And that's a different energy. You know, one compromises possibilities. I want to talk with you about what we can share with our listeners to help them not compromise their future. You know, what are some of the tips we could share with people, you know, so that it's not so daunting, so that at least maybe they'll get on the books and schedule an appointment? You know what I would say? I would say talk to your friends and family, people that you really respect, that you're close to, and find out who they're working with. You know, we all have people in our lives that were mentors, that we looked up to, and they typically are successful individuals. And you can go to them and say, Dr. Pat, you're a successful person. How do you go about investing? Do you have somebody you work with? And you would say yes or no, depending on, you know, who you're working with. And that would help them to kind of set up that, take that feeling of anxiety away because people like to do business with people they like and they trust. And that's why they go to their friends and their families, people that they respect to get that person that is trustworthy that they can go to to help them navigate those issues. You know, having a relationship with a financial advisor, and I mean a trusting relationship, a respectful relationship, I think it's one of the most important decisions that we make to seek people out that we know are going to have our backs, right? Um, we yeah, know that folks are hesitant to do this. What did, what did you find? What, what are we hesitant? Are we hesitant about full disclosure or are we just hesitant that there's not going to be a solution for us? Well, you know, in my practice, we have two core tenets. One is people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. You have to develop that relationship. And that doesn't mean you meet with Dr. Pat once and then don't talk to her for a year. A good advisor will have a very robust service model that will help grow that relationship. Because at the end of the day, this is a relationship and relationships take time. I mean, most I've been an advisor now for 20 years and my clients are like family. Um, my daughter just graduated from high school and we had her graduation party and a lot of my clients were there because we have this relationship because they know, they've known Jordan since she was a baby. Um, and I think when you come at it from how you can help them as an advisor, that relationship grows and it takes the anxiety away from them because what we are really is their financial quarterback. We help coordinate and oversee their financial affairs. And it, they may come in with a question on college planning, but as time goes on, there's all these different issues, but you have to develop the relationship. And to me, that's the most important thing because I could be the smartest guy in the world, but if you and I don't have a good chemistry, there's no way I can help you. Yeah, one of the things you all are doing is you're taking a conversation to the street and I wanna make sure we give out a website because you know what, what's going on is you know, you're hosting a Connect 19 conference, right? And you know, we're talking about thousands of financial advisors you know, coming together 
so that we can look at, and you could look at rather, some of the most common issues to help people, you know, to plan for their future. Um, I want to make sure that before we uh, run out of time, how can people find out more? Let's say somebody hears this and they're like, okay, I get it. Where do I go? How do I find out more? They can go to my website, which is harrisoncapitalmanagement.com, or they could go to the satera.com website, and we'll be glad to help them. And I just want to spell that. That's Satera. C is in Charlie. E. T is in Tom. E R A dot com. Okay, few minutes left. When we're talking about finances, we're talking about not just the future, but we really may be talking, John, about people sharing what they've experienced. What have you learned about what is important to disclose to your financial advisor? Because I know some folks will go to financial advisor, they'll never talk about credit card debt, or maybe, you know, for example, in my case, I was very, very sick, and I found that that was important to share with financial advisor for reasons that I didn't even understand. Talk about that part of the relationship. Well, I think that that is key to everything. You've got to be open and honest with your advisor. Let them know all the different things that are going on in your life because life events happen and life events are what drives a lot of people's financial success, sometimes their anxiety. Like you were saying, you got sick. Well, if you have a good advisor, they can help you navigate through that and say, you know what, Dr. Pat, it's going to be okay. We've structured your plan based on your goals and objectives. We have this contingency for an emergency. And the only way you can do that, though, is if you have a good relationship. And that's all predicated on chemistry. You and I have got to have a good chemistry so that you feel comfortable to open up to me and let me know what's going on. People do business with people they like and they trust. And the only way that they can like and trust you is for you to know them and you to get to know them and them to get to know you, excuse me. Yeah, I, I wanna thank you for taking this out. I don't think there's ever been a more important time for people to engage in their future. And one of the things I think you know and I know is that people don't really take or seek out this kind of advice because they think at some level, I'm never gonna be able to save enough. I'm never gonna be, I'm never, it's that never word. And I wanna thank you for doing this. One last question. Um, one, please mention the website again, but more importantly, you know, John, what, what is your personal message? What do you want to leave people with today? I want to leave people with the confidence that they can do it. And it's like anything else. If you want to become a good doctor, you go to med school, go find the professional that can work with you and help you reach your goals and your objectives. And, you know, people think that you have to have a lot of money. That's not the case. I have a client who was a teacher who never made more than $55,000 a year. And she was diligent about saving. She was diligent about how she spent her money. And now, you know, she's worth over $3 million. So it can be done. You don't have to make a ton of money. It's just you have to have a plan and you have to have somebody that's your coach. And the only way that that happens like you and I have talked about, is you've got to have a good relationship. Yeah. John Harrison, everybody, president and owner of Harrison Capital Management. As we said before, please go to the websites. Let's get some information. Uh, thank you, John, for doing what you're doing. 